Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, thanking you again for this time of celebration. May you continue to bless us, bless our time. May you, your Holy Spirit, even work even now as we learn so much about you and also about some of the traditions and things that we celebrate even during this Christmas season. We commit our time to you now, Lord Jesus. Pray you a blessing. We pray this in your name. Now let's turn this over mic. Think my voice gets enough. Now let's uh, turn in our Bibles to Luke two, eight through fourteen. And I will admit right up front. Um, we will not finish all of this, and it will be a continuing series. And today we will only probably get to the second half chapter soon. And I also have to admit, it's very difficult for me to narrow down during this season because I get so excited and I could go on and on with so many different aspects of Christmas. And it's hard for me to strain myself, but I will. So let's go to... Uh, Luke chapter 2, and starting in verse 8. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men, whom he is and I've entitled this series simply The Birth of Jesus. Today we come to the second week of what? Advent. Word Advent is a Latin word which means coming. Normally Advent starts on the Lord's Day that is the closest to November 30th and goes till Christmas Eve. It is four weeks that are set aside to think about the coming of Christ, particularly special in the lives of believers. It has been some 1,400 years since the first celebration of Advent. Today, many still light candles or have calendars that they open little doors to count down the days leading to Christmas. And I know in our home, oftentimes we have little doors, calendars, and they would have some chocolate in them and a verse with the, the chocolate but the children always enjoyed opening those 
The early Christians believed there were three meanings to Advent. One was the coming of God's Son to earth in human form as a baby in a manger. Another meaning was the coming of Jesus into people's hearts, lives, and actions for those who embraced him as their Savior. Third meaning was the future coming when Jesus will come again to earth as the king. As times changed, most people adapted the meaning of Jesus coming as a baby to earth. Because Christmas is so very special to Focus was placed on the most significant baby ever to be born, namely Jesus. Believe it or not, the Vikings in Northern Europe, who had converted to Christianity, played a major part in the Advent celebrations that we have today. What you have to understand is that they went through very harsh winters. They were very long and dark. So they were looking for any glimmer of hope to help them to get through this season. Lo and behold, they came upon an evergreen tree which stood very strong and hearty amidst the dismal winters. And they saw that it was a tree that never died. So they took the leaves from the evergreen tree and shaped them into a wreath. They added a candle to the wreath to represent the light that Christ's birth brought into the world. As time went on, more candles were added to the wreath. Over time, most used three purple candles for the first three weeks, which, repre which represented what most believers counted as three of the most precious gifts, which are love, hope, and peace. The last candle, the red candle, stood for the joy of new life that is given through Jesus Christ of his sacrifice on the cross. So we talked a little bit about the wreath. So what about one of the most universal symbols? The Christmas tree. In the 7th century, a monk from England named St. Boniface, Boniface traveled across Europe as a missionary. On his many trips, he established many churches. It is said that on one of his trips that he came upon some men who had gathered around a huge oak tree. One of the men held in his hands a little boy who he was going to sacrifice to a small g god named Thor. So Boniface demanded that the ritual was stopped. They refused to stop the ritual, so Boniface went up to the tree, struck it with his fist, and to their amazement, the oak fell to the ground. Right behind where the oak had fallen was a small fir tree. Boniface pointed the tree out to the men and told them that the evergreen was the tree of life. And he told them that winter could not kill the tree and that nothing could kill or take away 
eternal life that was offered by Christ and told them that the triangular shape of the tree stood for the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry, the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The story became a legend, and it is said that in Germany and France, the trees were hung from the ceiling as a symbol of Christianity. But for some odd reason, they were... And it says, the glory of Lebanon will come to you. Juniper, fox tree, and the cypress together to beautify the place of my sanctuary. And I shall make the place of my feet glorious. It was Pennsylvania Germans who brought the Christmas tree to America to stay in the 1820s. In the days before the Civil War, there was a new spirit of Christmas in the United States. The idea of having a Christmas tree in the home appealed to the wealthy as well as to the middle class. Up until around 1851, anyone who wanted a Christmas tree, Christmas tree they would have to go into the woods to, to cut their own. For people in New York, if you know anything about New York, it's very much landlocked. So they didn't have an opportunity to go out and cut their own tree. It was near to impossible. So Mark Carr, who was a businessman, saw dollar signs. So just before Christmas, Carr took a huge horse-drawn sled and chopped down lots of evergreens and took them back to New York City and set them up in a vacant lot and sold them. Soon Christmas tree lots were found in every major American city. By the 1880s, artificial trees were introduced as an alternative. So, therefore, let's get back to Luke chapter 2. So Luke says, in the same region. What region would this have been? This would have been the region around Bethlehem. If you've ever been to Israel, you know that Bethlehem is very close to Jerusalem and really only about six miles south of Jerusalem. Bethlehem itself is a very small village. So what we can ascertain is what is that somewhere in the region of Bethlehem, there would have been some shepherds. In the original language, it just says, just shepherds. There is not much said about them at all. What we do know is that they were not very highly regarded. Isaiah prophesies about the Messiah in Isaiah 61.1 where he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. In chapter 1 and verse 52 through 53 of Luke, just turn over a few pages. Mary's Magnificat. Here Mary says, 
He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 1, 26-27, For consider your calling, brethren, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things which are strong and the base things of the world, and the despised God has chosen. The things that are not, so that they may nullify the things that are. I cease to be amazed at the way Jesus came into the world. Of all places, he was born in a stinking stable where animals were housed. Not only was he born in a stable, Essentially, in animals feeding off. It is quite hard to imagine King of Kings. Reminds me of the lyrics to a song called The Way He Came. The lyrics go like this. Just think such royalty would come the way he came. In a dusty little town, born in such humility upon bed of hay, certainly he laid his glory down. Who would think this little child, the promised one, would the Messiah really come this way? Certainly, this was no birthplace for the Son of God. Isn't it amazing? how he came? Isn't it amazing the way he came? No crown, no throne, no big parade. There were no fanfares played, no jubilant display. Isn't it amazing how he came? Can't believe that I would be the reason why he came. Can't believe he left his mighty throne. He became a pauper. He denied himself that he made my heart his home to make my heart his home. So the shepherds were considered to be at the bottom of the totem pole, if you will, and were very common and unskilled. And as far as the Jewish social status, they were not very highly regarded. But it should not be an occupation that should be despised. 
What you have to remember is that Abraham was a shepherd one time, and so was Moses. Remember, he took care of his father-in-law, Jethro's sheep. Of course, we know that David was what? A shepherd. And it could be very possible that a thousand or so years before Jesus was born, David may have been watching sheep in the very same field that these shepherds were. Yet, shepherding was considered a very low profession and really the lowest of all professions. Shepherds were to be were considered to be not important. They were normally not educated, not skilled. The job of shepherding was normally given to children because the work was so simple. One would not have to have any particular skill or trade, and they were normally paid very low wages. One who was a shepherd would have to work seven days a week, which meant that they would be working on the Sabbath. Because they did not keep the Sabbath and violated so many of the man-made laws given by the religious leaders, they were seen as outcasts. As we come into the New Testament, shepherds became more and more despised and were oftentimes regarded as being untrustworthy and were even accused of stealing sheep. But isn't it just like Jesus to come not to those who thought they were the most religious and most important, but that the announcement of his birth first came to those who were considered outcast and the scum of society. We know that he came to save those who were considered outcasts of society, such as the prostitutes and drunkards and tax collectors. So the announcement of his birth first came to the lowest of the low, or to those who were the most humble, namely the shepherds. Remember that Jesus himself was called the good what? The good shepherd. So there is nothing in and of itself wrong with the job of shepherding. Verse 8 tells us that they were staying out where? In the fields. History tells us that the shepherds stayed out in the field from April to November. This was a time when it would be the warmest, so they would normally be on an elevated plain around Jerusalem. This is why some people say that Jesus was not born in December, but you can't be too dogmatic about that because we don't know exactly what month it was because of the Jewish calendar and the miscalculations. We don't know exactly what month Jesus was born in. It was sometime between 6 and 4 BC. So was Jesus born on December 25th? Probably not. So how do we get the day December 25th? Some people always say that they would like to go back to the good old days. You hear that? Well, I don't think you will want to go back to celebrating Christmas the way it used to be. I don't think so. Up until the 1800s, Christmas was anything but holy, but was more like a pagan holiday. 
It was a time when people ignored laws. Musicians and actors would go about roaming the streets, singing very loud and boisterous songs. If anyone did go to church, they would go in wild costumes. People even gambled at church service. And many of the, church, of the services had no scriptural basis. After the church service, the poor would often raid the homes of the rich and pound on the doors and windows, demanding that they give them food and drink. If no one would respond, raiders would into the home. Christians despised Christmas, and they despised the celebrations. History tells us that it took over 300 years for the church to decide on a day to celebrate Christ's birthday. Long before Christ was born, most cultures set aside the shortest days of the year as a celebration when the sun would come again. Most people's livelihood depended on the sunlight. They were looking forward to the time when life came longer and the days of winter was over and the spring was coming. In Phrygia, which is our modern day Turkey, the birth of the sun god was on no, 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 then what day do you think? December 25th. Then there was the celebration of a Roman festival dedicated to Saturn, the god of peace, which was from December 17th to the 24th. So in order to avoid persecution by the Romans, many Christians joined in the festival and decorated their homes with Saturnalia holly. Then there was the celebration of the winter solstice. It was also celebrated on In case you did not know what the winter solstice is, it is the day of the year with the shortest daylight and the longest night. This celebration was called the Festival of the Invincible Sun, S-U-N. In 325, Constantine the Great, who had recently become a believer, introduced Christmas at, as an immovable feast on December 25th. By bringing this date into law, many thought this would surely get rid of all the pagan celebrations that had gone on before. Unfortunately, not the case. To say the least, Christmas was anything but holy. In most of the English-speaking world, in England and America, Christmas was just another way to party. However, in Germany, Christmas had become a time of gathering together with friends and family for food and to celebrate the birth of Christ. In Germany, Christmas had become the second most holy day of the year, with Easter Resurrection Day being first. Queen Victoria married the Prince of Germany, Prince Albert, in 1840, and the Christmas traditions in Windsor Castle also changed. Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol was written in 1834, 20 or 30 years later. Christmas was changed from a holiday of drinking and rioting to a day of worship, family, and giving. So to say the least, today, December 25th was really established as a way to combat all of the partying and wild celebrations that were going on on that day. So that is why I say you would not have wanted to go back to the old 
days of Christmas past. Some today still argue that Christians should not celebrate Christmas because of the pagan roots. Dear friends, observing Christmas is not a question of right or wrong. Paul says in Romans 14, 5 through 6, one man regards one day above another. Another regards every day alike. Let each man be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord. And he who eats do so for the Lord. For he gives thanks to God. And he who eats not for the Lord, he does not eat and gives thanks to God. Beloved, every day is a day of celebration for all of us who know and love Jesus. How we celebrate Christmas is the main issue. Do we do it for our own selfish and sinful reasons or do, it for, or do we do it for the Lord's sake? The other question is, how do you celebrate Christmas? That is really the matter at hand. Christmas is such a wonderful time for us. We have the names, so many of the names of Jesus displayed on our tree and there's a, a lighted cross that's really the highlight of our tree. I so enjoy seeing the names of Jesus on the different ornaments, such as the Prince of Peace, Messiah, Emmanuel, Redeemer, God and Savior, Eternal Father, Provider, Teacher, Brother, Friend, Chief Cornerstone, Wonderful Counselor, the Bright and Morning Star, the Alpha and Omega, Christ the Lord, Great High Priest, the Light of the World, just to name a few. We should take every advantage during the season to make his name preeminent. So whether you celebrate Christmas in July or December, make sure you are celebrating with Christ. And his name truly is the central part of your celebration. Now back to the shepherds in verse 8, a little closer look at the shepherd. Sheep can hurt themselves, so they need what to help them? A shepherd. The job of the shepherd is to protect the sheep from hurting themselves, as well as to protect them from enemies. In Bible times, a shepherd would carry a heavy club, or what was considered a rod, as a weapon to protect his animals. The shepherd would take the wool from his sheep and form a pouch with a string on both sides. This is what the shepherd used as a sling to throw a rock to hit a lion or a bear. He could also use it to drop a stone in front of a sheep to make it go where he wanted it to go. The shepherd was always on the lookout for lost sheep and fallen sheep. The fact of the matter is that sheep need a shepherd not just for safety, but also for day-to-day -day guidance. The shepherd leans on his staff as he walks and spends many of his days leading his flocks to watering places in a dry land. He leads them to fresh fields where they can eat grass that has not been walked on by others. The shepherd also looks for poisonous plants that could hurt his sheep, and he prepares a good place for them to feed. At night, the shepherd leads his flock into the safety of the sheepfold. I remember the sheepfold very vividly in Israel. 
it could be stones put together to make a covering for the sheep. He does not force the sheep to go ahead of him because they could easily become panicked. Instead, he goes in front of them and they follow him. As the sheep for cuts and other sores, the shepherd covers the wounds with oil to help them. With the loop or hook of his staff, a shepherd might take a newborn lamb to be with his mother. So at the end of verse 8 in Luke 2, Luke says, they were keeping watch over their flock by night. So at night, the shepherd would bring the sheep into the sheepfold. The shepherd would keep them in the sheepfold and would literally lie across the entrance of the door to the sheepfold. That is why Jesus says in John 10, 7, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Friends, the shepherd is the door. The shepherd would literally, would literally put his mat or whatever he slept on and lay down across the entryway of the sheepfold. So, no sheep get out without walking across him. And the shepherd would make sure that this would not happen. Jesus says that he is the door because he wants us to be assured that once we are inside the door, we can never go out. That's eternal security. Beloved, this is a doctrine of eternal security. So this shepherd, along with others, would watch and sleep at the door to make sure that none of the sheep could get out. Such a beautiful picture. And as I told you, just mentioned earlier, I do have such a love for sheep. And so often reminded and how we are regarded as sheep. And how our great and good shepherd takes such good care of us. Sheep were normally in the fields during the day and would normally be brought back to the sheepfold at night. Since Luke says the shepherds were keeping watch over their flock by night, it is very possible that they were still awake when the angel appeared. We know that many were in Jerusalem for what celebration during this time? Passover. So there would have been as many as 250,000 sheep slain for Passover. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but these shepherds could have been caring for the very sheep that would have been used as sacrifices. It is no coincidence or accident that the announcement of the birth of Christ, who would be the ultimate sacrifice as the Lamb of God, slain from before the foundation of the world, was given first to shepherds who could very well 
have been caring for the lambs that would be sacrificed at Passover, pointing to Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice and Passover lamb. We are lost sheep in need of a shepherd. We need Jesus. Jesus is the Lord. He is the shepherd who saves us. He picks us up when we fall and gives us everything that we need to live. Lord willing, next Lord's Day, we will look at that wonderful appearance of the angel to the shepherds. Heavenly Father, we are so in awe and amazed when we think of all that transpired during the birth of Christ and how you used those who were considered the lowest of low outcasts those who were shunned in society. And you did not come to the great and mighty, those who were supposedly the religious of the day, but you came to those who were meek, those who were humble, those who were ready and willing to receive that message. And Father, may we be like those shepherds of old. May our hearts be humbled and broken. May our hearts be those that are ready to receive even this day fresh and new that announcement that we heard so help us as our hearts are ready and we anticipate that great celebration we love you we adore you we worship you we